Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Let's join together in prayer and ask God to bless our time together and ask Him to speak to us through His Word. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we praise You for the great blessing of Your Holy Word. And we pray, Father, that You would uh, allow us to, to be still and to hear Your voice. Lord, to block out all the distractions, all the things of this world and, and simply listen to You. Lord, we thank You that You've loved us enough to give us Your message. Lord, we just pray that, that You would, at this time, draw us ever closer to You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Once again, we're in Ephesians. And for the last uh, little while, we've been looking at the book of Ephesians and what it uh, means for us and how we are uh, to live our life as Christians and how we are equipped by God to live our life. And uh, we have been looking at uh, the last little section of Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 6 dealing with the fact that we as believers are in a battle. We're in a, a, a conflict, a war with Satan. The believer and Satan are in mortal combat. Day in and day out, we are struggling to live our life as God has called us to live. And for that reason, uh, the reason for that is, is that God wants to have us walk in, a, in the light. God wants us to walk in the way of Jesus Christ, to walk, uh, walk in, in truth. And Satan wants to confuse us, wants to distort the things of God. Satan wants to keep us from living according to his desire, uh, uh, the desire of God. He wants us to be uh, distracted by the things of the world. And, and we've seen how we are to live our life and how we are to, to try and, and live our life according to God's desire. God has such a high, holy, lofty, and grand purpose for our lives that He calls for us to walk in the manner that, that uh, is, is set apart from the rest of the world, set apart from the things of the world. God's desire is, is that we would be uh, people that are uh, useful for His kingdom's purpose. And we looked at, at this study of Ephesians and we uh, came to that understanding by understanding God's desire and design for His, our, his relationship with mankind and, and for us to, uh, to have that 
uh, relationship that God desired from the very beginning of time. Do you realize that God, uh, uh, before He even created this world, had a desire to have a relationship with you, had a desire that you and and uh, uh, I would be able to have a relationship with Him that that goes beyond just simply a formality or a, uh, a, a sit down once a week in church, but is a day-to-day relationship, a relationship that is centered on uh, His transcending love for us. And... What's keeping us from having that relationship is sin. What's keeping us from having that, that bond with Christ, uh, that bond with God that He desires so much is the sin that is within us. And so God decided before all of creation was made that He would sacrifice for us. Because remember, God knew that that we would sin. God knew that we would need a Savior. God knew that we would need a way of coming back into a right relationship with Him. And so before we, He ever said, let there be light, God determined that He would provide His Son as a sacrifice, provide Jesus Christ as a sacrifice for your sins, as a means for you to come back in a right relationship with Him. And all of what we've been studying in Ephesians has been understanding that design, understanding that plan that God had for us, and understanding how He helps us to walk worthy of His love, how we are to walk according to His desire. And we come now to the very end of Ephesians, and we've talked about how God is equipping us using the the whole armor of God We're in a war, and we're in a battle against Satan. And the result is, is that, that uh, in this war against Satan, that the believer has is, is come to a point of where we must understand the desire of God for us to be equipped and be prepared, to be ready for this battle. Satan is doing everything he can to distract us and to pull us away. Everything that Satan does is, is a desire to, to confuse and confound and to cause us to not uh, have uh, uh, understanding. Let, let's look again at, at chapter 6. And, and it begins in verse 10. Uh, that's where we began this, understanding, uh, this study of the, the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, and against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Two weeks ago, we talked about the belt of truth and how uh, important it is for us. And, and then he says, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. So after we put on the belt of truth, we put on the breastplate of righteousness. And your feet shod with the preparation uh, of the gospel of peace. 
And above all, having the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked, and to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so we, we see the armor of God and we've come through this time in which we understand that, uh, that we are in a war with Satan and the believer uh, is, from the moment of, of salvation, comes under attack from Satan. And we have understood that it's important for us to have this whole armor of God so that we would be prepared to... Uh, to repel the the attack of Satan. Satan tries to snatch away the gospel message. You remember Jesus in his uh, parable about the sower and the seed. And he said, uh, when the sower goes out and he sows the seed, uh, and uh, some of the seed lands on the stony ground, and and that seed doesn't even have a chance to to go into the soil and and to try and take root before uh, the birds come and snatch it away. And, of course, the birds represent Satan and his desire to snatch away the gospel message. And from the very beginning uh, of our uh, time of hearing the gospel, Satan tries to snatch away the truth of the gospel. And Satan also plants, uh, uh, floods believers with false doctrine in, the, uh, in order to cloud the mind of the believer. We, uh, uh, Jesus said when he was uh, spread, uh, talking about the sower sowing the seed, he said some of the seed uh, also goes on shallow ground and doesn't have enough root, uh, enough ground to to take root. And then some of the the seed goes amongst the the weeds and and the cares and the concerns of the world choke it out. Satan tries to do everything he can to uh, to snatch away the gospel, and if the if the gospel has a chance to take any root at all, he seeks to uh, to cloud the mind of the believer with all kinds of things of this world, causes us to uh, come under confusion of false doctrines and and things that would cause us to uh, to have our our hearts swayed away from the gospel. Satan's desire is to besiege us uh, with. Uh, all the things of the things of this world throughout our life. And Jesus uh, is an example of the fact that the Satan desires to, to destroy uh, the gospel message, destroy all that is. Uh, remember uh, studying in the Gospels about how uh, when Jesus' birth was announced, uh, Satan did everything he could through different ones like uh, through Herod, who wanted to to uh, kill all the babies two years and under in order to try and and keep this new king from being born that might uh, challenge his place on the throne. Of course, he didn't understand that this was the king of kings and the Lord of lords that was being born in uh, Bethlehem. He didn't understand that it wasn't a challenge to his earthly uh, throne, but rather the throne of the heart of mankind that Jesus was coming to take. Uh, And uh, throughout the life of Jesus, uh, he was... Uh, challenged by Satan, uh, uh, not just 
when he was baptized and went into the wilderness and, and was, uh, was tempted by Satan, but throughout all of his life, uh, Jesus was, had to deal and contend with those who were being used of Satan. The Pharisees and the Sadducees that, that came and tried to uh, 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 accuse Jesus of things that he wasn't doing, uh, tried to distract from his ministry. Uh, the lawyers and the scribes, all those who wanted to, uh, to find something that they could uh, arrest Jesus for and cause him to be taken away. Then you had the life of Paul. Remember Paul? He was uh, a young man that studied at the feet of Gamaliel and, and he had uh, uh, this wonderful upbringing and was a, a Pharisee of Pharisees and he had been trained in, in all the, uh, the teachings of, of his day that would make him a, a scholar in the Bible. And uh, uh, Saul was, uh, was so zealous that he even made an effort to to try and uproot those who would follow after the way of Jesus Christ. So uh, he was persecuting them and, and God uh, stopped him on the road and said, hey, why are you persecuting uh, me? Why are you causing me uh, such difficulty? And of course, his life was changed and transformed as, as he uh, was changed from Saul to Paul and he was uh, made a... a uh, minister of the gospel and began to share the gospel but remember Paul's life Paul's life after he gave his heart and life to Jesus and, and started to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ his life wasn't easy he was persecuted because of his teachings he was he was uh taken out and run out of the city. He was uh, even stoned and left for dead. He was shipwrecked and, and he was many times persecuted for his faith. And yet Paul continued to persist and Paul uh, understood and knew that the, he was in a battle against Satan. And our life today as, as Christians is a testimony to those who were uh, 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 continued to, be, to struggle through the persecution of Satan. Look at the church and its existence at, uh, 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 of its own. The church was persecuted and uh, many believers were crucified and, and put in the... Uh, uh, arenas and, and was sacrificed to animals and uh, that would rip them apart and tear them apart. And then you had uh, uh, rulers like Nero who persecuted Christians and, and uh, used them to light the, the gardens as they were being uh, lit up and, and burnt and sacrificed. and here, These Christians were persecuted and, and sent all over the world because of this persecution in order to try and uh, stay away from it. Today we still have uh, those things that are seeking to, uh, to do battle against us, we, but we have uh, those who follow after humanism and those people who follow after uh, the... Agnostic belief of of believing that there's no God, and uh, we have all kinds of things that are trying to 
to destroy, distort and, and take away the gospel message. We face the challenge not only of humanism that is seeking to say that there is no God, but also materialism that says, hey, don't even think about uh, uh, the things of the Spirit. All you got to uh, worry about is whether or not you got a nice house and a nice car and, and all kinds of nice clothes and whether or not you can have a fancy coffee on the way to work and whether or not you got all kinds of trinkets and doodads and things that uh, take up your life. And uh, so many people get so involved with materialistic things that they have no time for God. Uh, then you have uh, not only uh, materialism and and uh, humanism, but you have people that are wrapped up in hedonism, that are wrapped up in the pleasures of the flesh, wrapped up in the pleasures of all the things of this world, and and the pleasures of of all kinds of uh, hedonistic thing. And then you have uh, people that are uh, refuting. Uh, the very existence of God. There is a battle in the life of every Christian. Every Christian is is either winning the battle by being close to Jesus Christ, by being close in your relationship to God, of having the Word of God real, real and relevant in your life, and those who are uh, losing the battle, uh, those who are falling away, those who aren't hearing the message of the gospel, those who are falling into the traps of this world. Paul's letter to Ephesus is emphasizing that battle that each of us face. You face it and I face it each day. Just think about how difficult it is to keep in your daily walk with Christ, to stay true to Christ and stay true to, to His desire for your life. How, how long does it take in your average day for you to, to face some kind of challenge to your faith, some kind of challenge to uh, staying true to Christ and not uh, 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 giving in to sin, not giving in to temptation? How long does it take? Well, for many of us, we can barely get out of bed before we're hit with temptation of this world, before we even... Uh, Take a moment to even get ready for the day we've already been hit by temptation to do all sorts of things that are contrary to God's desire. And so Paul says you need to be aware of all the challenges. You need to be aware of all the struggles. You need to know about God's resources for your life. And he shared that with us in chapters 1 through 3. And then he began to talk about walking worthy And as he moved into chapter 4 through 6. Today we're looking at the preparation uh, for battle against Satan and how we have to stand. Satan opposes everything that we do and everything that God desires for our life. In John chapter 1, verse 17, it's, it tells us that Jesus is full of grace and truth. But in John chapter uh, 8, verse 44, it says that Satan is the father of lies and seeks to distort and to uh, cause us to not believe the truth of Jesus Christ. John chapter 5, verse 24 says that Jesus Christ is the giver of life. And He's the one that comes to, uh, to bring life to all mankind. John chapter 8 verse 44 says that Satan is a murderer. Jesus reveals the truth and Satan conceals it. 
Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says that Jesus produces love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Those are the fruit of the Spirit that Jesus provides for us. But later in Galatians chapter 5, it says that the fruit of the flesh is lust and fornication and uncleanliness and idolatry and sorcery and heresies and envying and strife. James chapter 1 tells us that when we face trials in our life, we ought to count them all with joy because it means that we're being mature and we're growing in our understanding of what it means to walk as a Christian. But Satan comes like a roaring lion to seek and destroy those who follow after Christ. John chapter 8 says that Jesus has come to set us free. And the truth of Jesus Christ will make us free. 2 Timothy 2.26 says that Satan comes to enslave us. 1 John chapter 2 verse 1 says that Jesus defends and is an advocate for us that when we, uh, that we, when we are, are brought before God that Jesus is our advocate that stands beside us and to proclaim that He has paid the price for us. Revelation chapter 12 verse, 20, uh, verse 10 it says that Satan comes to accuse us of our sin and seeks to bring destruction to us. Throughout all of Scripture, we see time and again that Satan comes to undermine the work of God, to cause us to trip up, to cause us to fail in God's desire. Why? Because Satan wants to to destroy everything that God has done. Everything that God does, Satan takes and distorts and seeks to imitate so that he might be able to bring an imitation, a destructive nature to God's orderliness. So how do we defeat Satan? How do we have the victory? How do we win? How do we come out of this and understand and know how we can live. Well, the first thing that we need to understand is, first and foremost, is that God has brought us the victory. God has already won the victory in Jesus Christ. We already have the victory in Him. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says that, that Jesus destroys the devil. That Jesus Christ will destroy the adversary in our life. And Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 tells us that not only has Jesus Christ won the victory against Satan, but He's won the victory over death, the grave. We have the victory in Jesus Christ. You have to understand and remember when you face all of those struggles and trials, when you face all those challenges by Satan, first and foremost, you need to remember that Jesus Christ has already brought us to victory. Jesus Christ has already won. Well, that's worth a little bit of shouting and screaming, don't you think? I do. Because if if He's won, then that means that I don't have to worry about being defeated. 
Secondly, we need to recognize that Jesus has the power over Satan and that Jesus resides within us. When we accept Jesus into our heart and lives, not only has He won the victory, but He resides within us and is indwells within us. And when Jesus Christ indwells within us, we can have the victory in Him. 1 John 4.4 4 says, Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. And so we need to remember that when we face the challenge of Satan each day. Number three, you need to also know your priorities. First Peter 5 tells us that we need to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That means we need to be ready. We need to, uh, we need to resist the devil. Ephesians 4.27 says, Don't give place in your life to the devil. But rather, allow Jesus Christ to have control. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, Be not ignorant of your circumstances. Be not ignorant. Know, your, uh, know the devices of Satan. Know what he uses against you. Know the things that he does to try and trip you up, cause you to, to find failure in your Christian life. Know what it is that Satan is seeking to use against you. Know his tricks. Know his devices. Know the things that he seeks to do. And basically we're told we need to lock the door. I mean, some of you might have grown up during a day and an age when you could leave the door unlocked and and go about your business throughout the day, go out in the field and, and do your farming and coming back and, and not even have locked the door or go to town and, and not have anything but the screen door there uh, uh, on the house. I remember a day when, when I was little that Mama... And Daddy, of course, we didn't have air conditioning at the time, and so all Mom did was she had the screen door, and it had a little old latch that just went bleep like that, and it barely did anything. It just made the thing that, that moves in order to open the door uh, stiff so it wouldn't open. That was all it was that she had uh, that was protecting the house. Why? Because if we were living during a time and a day and age when uh, we didn't have to worry about uh, all those things. But now we live in a day and age where we got to lock the door. Well, I tell you what, there's some places in this world uh, that you lock the door in between trips going uh, out to pick, get your groceries out of the car and into the house. There's a lot of people that are finding nowadays that crime is just awful and, and to the point where they've got to make sure to be secure in everything they do. We live in a world we cannot be ignorant of the fact that there are evil people in this world seeking to do evil things. And we, we take measures to be safe. Some people have alarms on their house so that if a window or a door is open, when they've got everything closed up and shut down, that an alarm goes off, notifies the police. We need to be aware of the things that Satan has to come against us and to lock down and be safe. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22 says that we are to flee youthful lusts, but to follow His righteousness. And fourthly, we need to have every thought 
brought into captivity to Christ. We are to have our minds controlled by the Word of God. One of the best things that we can do to ensure that we stay away from the things of this world and stay true to God is to have God's Word within our life. Every time that Jesus faced a temptation against Satan, what did He do? He quoted the Scripture. He quoted God's Word. He quoted the Scripture. And Satan even tried to remember, Satan tried to distort the Word of God and, and, and say things that the Word of God didn't say, but Jesus knew the Word. See, you've got to not only know the Word, but you've got to know it well enough to avoid those who want to distort the Word of God and, and distort what God says to us. Remember what Satan said to Eve in the garden at the very beginning. He said, did God really say that? Did God really say you couldn't eat from this tree? You see, you can't go on what mom and daddy say. You can't go on what uh, mom and daddy believe. You can't go on what you've always been taught and what you've always heard. You've got to know for yourself. You've got to know the Word of God for yourself. Have it implanted in your heart. Know the Word of God and, and be... Uh, have every thought held captive to Christ. And so we come to the armor of God. We've been, uh, we learned about the belt of truth, which was about all about being prepared for battle. You don't put on the belt until you know you're ready for battle and, and you're committed to going into battle. When you are girding yourself, girding yourself up, and being ready to get into the battle and to the fight. And then we learned last week about the breastplate of righteousness and how we had uh, in putting on the breastplate of righteousness, it was all about guarding our mind and our heart, guarding the things that, uh, that, that we thought against the things that Satan would try and implant within our heart and mind and guarding our heart and the love that we have for God and, and our faithfulness to Him. And we talked about how uh, in the Jewish society, in the Jew Jewish world, uh, the heart was the center of thought and the loins was the center of emotions. And we had to guard our heart and our emotions, our thoughts and our emotions uh, and keep faithful to God. Today we look at uh, the shoes being shod with the, uh, the preparation of the gospel of peace. We uh, look at verse 15, and, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And so we're to uh, prepare ourselves for battle by being ready above all. What did it say at the very beginning? That we're to be prepared. The whole aspect of being putting on the armor was to be prepared, right? That we're to prepare for the battle. And uh, the soldier was to put on these uh, shoes. And, you know, most people, they wore sandals during this time. Most people, uh, uh, if they didn't have sandals, wore barefoot. And they, that's why they always washed their feet because uh, they were walking on dusty roads and uh, they had all of this dirt and grime and everything that were on their feet. And so they would wash their feet. But the soldiers going into battle, the soldiers going into uneven terrain, the soldiers going into areas where uh, they need to be able to stand and to be able to, to fight. And it's an amazing thing 
that was pointed out to me as I was studying this. You know, when you go into battle, you can be injured in your arm or your leg. You can be injured in your side. You can have an injury in other parts of your body. But if you can't stand, if your feet are damaged and hurt, then you can't stand to do battle at all. And so, uh, and that's why it's so important that the soldier have this protection for his feet. And many uh, times, when the army of of Rome was going, and and this is remember, this is the uh, image that everyone that is reading this in Ephesus has, and Paul is using the the image of the Roman soldier. And when the Roman soldier would go into battle, they would uh, they would go in these great columns of soldiers, and and then they would. Uh, line up and go across the field to engage the enemy. Many times the enemy would plant uh, uh, spikes in the ground and they would uh, camouflage it so that as the soldiers came walking, uh, marching along, uh, they would put their foot down and, and damage their feet <coughs> with these barbs and these spikes and things. And so the soldier had uh, uh, footwear that would protect their feet when they went into battle, and they had footwear that would uh, give them a sturdy uh, foundation. And, and what this is all about is having a sure foundation for you to go into battle. And the foundation that we're to have is peace within our life, the peace of, of God, the peace uh, uh, that passes all understanding, God's peace in our life. We're to have protection to uh, to be prepared and ready to go into battle. Now think about uh, think about when you go into the mall and you uh, go through the mall. And I I I I had to be honest. I go to the mall and I sit and I wait for uh, Robin and the girls to get done shopping. And that's what I do when I go to the mall. But other people when they go to the mall or they go shopping, they they go and they actually look for things. I go in, I get what I, 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 I don't I don't browse when I go to the to the store. I don't browse when I go shopping. I seek and destroy, right? Uh, we men, we we go in there, we know exactly what we're going for. We go, we get it, we get out. That's uh we we're trying to stay as little time as possible in there because uh, we know that distractions, we know that browsing takes up time. So we go in there, we get it, we get out. And uh, But if you go to the mall, you go to the stores, you, you, you can, they don't have just one type of shoe for, for everybody, do they? Oh no, they got shoes that look pretty and they got shoes that make you feel taller and look taller. They got shoes that are good for running. They got other shoes that are good for prancing around when you're doing aerobics and jazzercising and all that kind of stuff. And they got other shoes that are good for this and that. Uh, Basically, all I knew was when I was coming along, I I wrestled. So I I knew there was uh, shoes I had to have for wrestling. I didn't understand that because all we were doing was wallowing around on the ground trying to get the upper hand. Uh, But we had shoes that we had to have for wrestling. It was a special shoe. And every athlete has a different kind of shoe. And and boy, I knew that real clear when uh, uh, Cynthia went and, and took track. She couldn't have just regular shoes. Oh, she had to have these specialized shoes that, uh, that you couldn't, you, you'd hold them in your hand, you couldn't even feel them in your hand. They were so light. 
and and they had extra traction on them and they were great for running and they were great for jumping and all that kind of stuff you got different kinds of shoes and we need to uh and the whole idea is is that uh, not only do we need to be prepared but we need to understand that the shoes enhance the ability of the wearer the soldier that was wearing those shoes it enhanced their ability to engage in battle it caused them to be ready and to be able to have a, a, st- a stability and it provided them a firm foundation. They were quick uh, in their ability to move about. They were sturdy in their stance and they were sure. The word prepared here means to be made ready, to be equipped. 1 Corinthians sixteen thirteen says that we are to stand fast in the faith. Look at verse 11. It says to put on the whole armor and to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And then it says in verse 13, it says, Wherefore take upon you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the devil in the day. And having done all that, to stand. And then verse 14 it says, and then stand again. We're to be able to stand. And the whole idea is is not uh, having the the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel to be able to go out and to proclaim the gospel. Yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. But the whole idea was is that these shoes were to enable the soldier to withstand the wiles of the devil, to withstand the, uh, the attack, to be able to, in the midst of all the battle and as all the things that were going on, that they would be able to stand and be able to bring a defense and to be able to stand and to, to be able to engage the enemy. And the peace of God is that very thing. It gives you an understanding that you are equipped, that you are capable and able to stand against the, the devil. Confidence. The ability to, to be assured of knowing that you'll be able to stand. You know, I, I remember when I was about the age of Isabella, when I was about 16 or so, the big deal for us was when I was her age was... Uh, on your 16th birthday, everybody I knew went out and got the driver's license. Not like today, where kids wait till they're 18 or 21 to get their driver's license. Everybody I knew, every single person, I mean, the day of their birthday went and got their driver's license because it meant freedom. It meant the ability to go and do things. It meant that you were now liberated from being at home where you had to do certain things, chores and stuff like that, you were liberated to do whatever you wanted to do, to go and meet up with your friends and to go and spend time just enjoying life. But the problem was is once you got your driver's license, then you had to, to actually use it. I remember my cousin. I had a cousin that... Uh, that is about six months older than I was, and he had his driver's license uh, for a while before I did. And we we did a lot together whenever we 
got together as a family. And, and I remember when he first had his driver's license, he prayed before he ever turned the ignition on in the car. I mean, every time he stopped and he prayed because he was te- petrified with fear that he would be in an auto accident. Now, he lived in a smaller city than I did, but it was, it was still a pretty big town and a, pretty big, a lot bigger than uh, around here in, in Albany and, and Valdosta and all that. And there was a lot of traffic and a lot of things to get you in trouble uh, if you weren't paying attention. And every time that we went somewhere, he would, uh, before he ever started that car, he, he would say a prayer because he was so scared that he wouldn't be safe. Well, today he just jumps in the car and takes off. Why? Because he's more confident. The more confident you are, the, the easier it is. And then before long, you, as a driver, after you build up a certain amount of confidence as a driver, you don't even think about it. You just get in, you go. And you, and you don't think about all those things that used to worry you and bother you and, 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 and cause you so much fear because you have confidence. You know that you're going to be able to get in the car and handle just about every situation, every circumstance out there. And I see it in my girls when, as they've been learning to, to drive that they, when they first start out, they're so scared and petrified and praise the Lord for that because it meant they were being more cautious. But now they're more confident in their driving. They, they do things that they normally would have never thought of doing in their car because uh, they have more confidence. They're no, more assured. And that's what the preparation of the gospel of, uh, of peace is for the Christian. That confidence in knowing that God is there with you. That God has already given you the victory in Jesus Christ. That you have won the victory against Satan and that you win. And that when you come against the wiles of the devil, when the devil comes against you, that, uh, that you will have the victory or can have the victory because He's there with you. He's giving you that assurance that He dwells within you and He will fight the enemy, the devil, Satan, for you. That He will give you the victory because He's already won. Today, you and I need to remember as we stand in battle against Satan, as we come against the onslaught of the devil and he uh, tries to come against uh, God's anointed as we are seeking to serve God and as we're seeking to do His will, that God has given you the victory. That God's already won. That Satan is defeated. And Jesus Christ give you the victory. We just have to remember it and trust in Him. But first of all, you have to have Christ in your life. You have to have Jesus dwelling within you. You have to accept His victory in your life. You have to accept Him as your Lord and Savior. Allow Him to live and dwell within you. Allow Him to fight the devil for you. Allow Him to give you the victory. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have that victory yet. But you can have Him today. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You and praise You that You've given us the victory in Jesus Christ. That You've given us the victory over Satan. 
that You allow us to have His protection, the confidence of knowing that You have given us the victory. Lord, lead us in Your way. Help us, Lord, to, to have that assurance your peace in our life. Lord, I pray for those who are here today that haven't accepted You as Savior and Lord, that they would accept You and accept the victory of Jesus Christ in their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.